Ruth chapter 4, <laughs> or wherever you're going, but first there's a text. You know, if I happen, I don't know that we have any, any salesmen in the room, but we do have some guests. Um, if I happen to offend you, just let it sit there a while. No apologies. You know, um, people play so many games that folks who sell things, particularly big things, cars, houses, they've had to learn and work really hard to get in there and get the best price for them, their business, and uh, somewhere in there, the customer. And so I, I appreciate, I appreciate the business world in that way, but it just wasn't built for my personality. It's just not. You know, um, I remember the days my uncle owned a store, my dad ran it. We had one of those, those things where you'd move the numbers on the back, and when you clicked it, uh, put a, a, a price on a sticker, and you would touch that sticker onto the product. And if we got in 100 cans of potted meat, you had to put the price tag on every can. And when you brought it up to the counter, that was the price, right? There was no debate about the price of the potted meat or whatever. And I don't know. I think it got conditioned in me. I want to go to a car dealership, and I want the price to be on the car. You know? Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? I went to Danville. Wanted to buy a car. I saw two or three on, online. I said, I'm going to test drive them, and then I'm going to sit down and talk to the guy. Well, the second one I test drove was the one I liked. I said, what can we do to buy this car today? And he says, this number. And I said, well, I think, you know, the Carfax on that would be this number. And he says, well, let me go get the manager. I said, no, just take me to the manager. <laughs> that... Right? He's like, no, I can't do that. I said, well, if you can't sell it, if the manager is the one that has to sell it, just, just take me to the manager. I, I don't have time for all this. And uh, he didn't play my game either. He didn't take me to the manager. I said, well, there's no need for you to go to the manager. I'll just go somewhere else. So I left the car lot. Anybody want to take a guess what happened? They called me within moments. I hadn't got to the second stoplight. My phone's ringing. It's, Hello, this is so-and-so. I'm the manager. I said, well, you should have came out there then. I'm just, I'm just not that guy. And uh, I, didn't, you know, I didn't need that car so bad that I had to get that car, so I, I'm a walkaway guy. I'm also that guy that if you see me put something up for sale and it says $500, anybody want to guess what I want for it? <laughs> Andrew says $600. <laughs> right, so if you come to me and say, how about $450, guess what I'm going to say? What if you say $475? If you know me at all, you know the answer is easy. What am I going to say? I'm going to say no. Now, if you offer me six, I'm going to put some other things up for sale real quick while you're in the room. I'm that guy that I'm just straight up. I'm just straight up. And I don't play games like that, and I'm not good at it. That's why I'm really thankful I have some friends that are good so they can tell me sometimes, like, they're just doing the process. Get over it, Tim. Why do I bring that up? I think this is why I love Boaz, because he is a no-nonsense get it done kind of guy, and he helps me understand exactly how direct and how loving Jesus operates in my life. He's not playing games with my soul. He's not playing games with my emotions. He is doing the business so that I can have the security. 
And that's who Jesus is. And I want you guys in seeing Boaz's life, you know, very earthy life, down to earth. You could, see, you could know somebody like this in your neighborhood. I want you guys in seeing his life, God has put it here for him to be a picture so that you can see Jesus more clearly. Ruth chapter 4, beginning at verse number 1 and through verse 12. You can follow along on the screen. It goes like this. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, and this is the other fellow, he says, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, "Then the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Now, if y'all ain't picking up what I'm putting down, he says, you get the land, but you got to get the foreign daughter-in-law, and you got to have a child with her. Are we clear? Say amen. amen. Verse 6. Then the Redeemer, or we might say in country terms, then the other fellow, he said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. In other words, they're signing a contract. They're making a deal. Verse 8. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. <laughs> then Boaz said to the elders of all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belong to Elimelech and all that belong to Kilion and to Balon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance and the name, that the name of the dead may, be, may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephratah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. Father, in these next few moments, we've read this story. Now open to us yourself. In Jesus I pray, amen. What a great story. I don't know why Lifetime Movie Network doesn't just break in and get this. This is a flat-out great story. But to proceed, I, I want to tell you guys this story, some of the implications, in as quick a way as I possibly can, and give you guys, if you're a note-taker, they're not even going to come to right at the end, the very end. You'll know we're almost done when you start writing. Let me give you guys a very quick, partial history of God's view of redemption. Redemption is buying back. Don't forget that. Redemption is buying back. 
I'm going to throw these up here, but they're going to go so fast you might jot them down and check out the whole context later. In Deuteronomy chapter number 4, verse 37, the Bible says this. And because he loved your fathers and what? What's that word right there? Chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power. So who chose here, God or them? God. In other words, them people weren't loving God. It was nothing special about how they loved God. It was special about how God loved them. Fast forward a little bit, Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 8. For you are a people holy to God, to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people than the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He says, you know, y'all weren't pretty. Y'all weren't pretty. Now, I, I've got permission to tell this story without telling the names. This happened years ago, so don't, don't think I'm telling anybody's secrets without permission. I, I require, let me give you guys an il illustration. I require if a couple wants me to officiate their wedding that they do some premarital counseling. Here's why. If you'll take 13 or, or 17 or, or maybe even 20 years of education for your career, you ought to be able to take a few counseling sessions for your marriage because you plan on retiring from your career, but you never plan on retiring from your marriage. So I want people to be thinking, here's one of the most troubling questions I ask. Here's one of the most troubling questions I ask. I'll set young people down and I'll say, how much debt do you have? I'll never forget this great couple. They were giving these great answers. And uh, the girl didn't want to answer. And I was like, do you not want to answer because you don't think talking about money is appropriate? Or are you hiding your answer? She had exactly $278,000 of credit card debt and 100, over $100,000 in college loans. And she hadn't even graduated. The man, when she said that first number, he did just like this. I was watching him. He just started shaking his head. And, and then when she said that second number, I knew that this was not going to go well. And they did not go through and get married. Now, you know what they did do? About two years later, they got married. You know what they did in between? They both took Financial Peace University. Not that that's the only class you can take. It was just a class to take. And they began a plan to work on her debt so they could come into this relationship together. But it so shocked him at first because she had very clearly hidden all of her spending habits. He hadn't picked up on the evidence, and he felt deceived. And he just said, I can't take on this debt. And it was like, it was, you could just watch his body language change. He just shrunk. He's like, I, he could not mentally absorb taking on nearly $400,000 on the day he got married. And I'll never forget his first comments, and you want a house? But cool news is they worked it out. They're married. They're happily married today. And uh, if, um, if you get somebody talking about Financial Peace University, they could be uh, commercials for it, right? When God looked at Israel, he didn't see somebody who brought something to the table. It was the other way around. He brought something to Israel's table. Somebody say amen. You got to see this. In Hosea 11, 1, it says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. It was God doing the wooing. I'll never forget one of my grandfather's funny phrases about when you liked a girl and was talking to her. Say, he'd say, are you sparking her? 
I never quite figured out what that meant, but it seems like it's some electricity between us. Are you sparking a boy? I'm scared to answer. I don't know what is that. Are you sparking, grandmother? I also did not want to know the answer to that question. So I never answered it, right? God wooed those people. He wooed them, and he won them. It's the same with the church. Look at these quick samples. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While the debt lay heavy. He didn't say, let's get that straight and then we'll move forward in our relationship. He says, no, I'm going to get that straight so you can move forward in our relationship. Or Ephesians, this is actually a marriage verse right here. Ephesians 5, the second part of Ephesians 5.25. Christ loved the church and done what? Now, one day that couple is going to let me use their name and it's going to be so amazing. I've told them they need to make a video. You know what that guy did? Guy sold everything he owned and worked on that girl's debt to, to marry her. I mean, he flat out did it too. It's crazy. Later on, they asked me, what would you have done? I said, had another fiance. <laughs> I like, you know, I don't even want to carry my wife's bag sometimes, that thing's so heavy. <laughs> Ain't no money in it. And you talking about some 400,000, have a nice day. I was like, you, you ain't that pretty. I mean, it's just not much here, suddenly. People can't handle my honesty. I told her. And she says, good thing I'm marrying him. I said, <laughs> I love how part of Revelation kicks off, the book of Revelation. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by what, church? By his blood. And made us. You see that? We were in debt, cut off, nobodies. So what did he do? He cut us free, so he took us out of debt, but he didn't take us to zero. Do y'all see this? It's right there. He didn't just put us to zero so we could just get back in debt on our own, take us out of debt, and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If there's, if there's, if there's forgiveness to be had, Andrew, what? First, there's a tax. Who paid it? It's not that salvation is free. It's free to you. But it's not free for you. It's free because Jesus paid it all. So a really quick review, and then we'll move through this story faster than you're going to believe. If we're going to think about a kinsman redeemer, we need to remember that a kinsman redeemer, the qualifications, they have to be a close relative, that's this whole problem we're facing today. Boaz has told her in chapter 3, listen, there's somebody more kin to y'all than me. Y'all got, if you want to put it in country boy terms, I'm a fourth cousin, you got a third cousin, we at least got to check in with them. Got to be a close relative. They have to have the means to accomplish redemption. Remember that silly illustration I gave you? Well, it was a true illustration, but it feels silly to me. When I was in jail that time under a big bond, I... I had family, yes, but I didn't have hardly any family who was able. They didn't have the means to accomplish redemption. This is probably why Judah's been thinking about y'all going to jail. Um, and then do they have the desire? I might have some relatives 
Yes. I have some who have the means. Yes. But when some of my relatives think about me being in jail, they go, about time. All right, now let's walk through this story. Where we left off last week, Boaz has said to Ruth, listen, girl, you go home and wait. I am not going to waste any time getting this business straight. So he goes down to the city gate. That might seem strange to us, but that was very common. That was where the business happens. That was where the elders gathered. That's where trading was done. That's where legal matters were decided. That's where people brought problems so the elders of the city could settle it. You might say it was the magistrates and the court office and, you know, the counselors. It was a lot of things happening. It was very, very common for that to go on. And any of the, any of the men, older men of good standing would go down there and hang out and help out. That was the whole goal. So he goes down because he's confident. If I sit down there long enough, I'll see this fella. And he sees him. He says, hey, fella, come here and sit down. He does. He gathers some witnesses. And I want you to notice, he goes five times beyond the law limit. You need two witnesses for something to be real, he gets ten. It's almost like saying I want everybody to hear this and see this. And he asks the near kinsman, he says, hey, man, you know Naomi, right? Yeah. She got this piece of land. Would you, would you like to have this piece of land? He said, yeah, man. That dude was already planting cabbage and building condos. He could just see it. He said, I want that. I, that's in our family. Our family should keep it. Let me redeem it. Then he drops the bomb. If you get this land, you also get Naomi. Hmm. And you get Ruth. Mm. And you have to have a child with her. This, again, is when you hear the voice of the great theologian Scooby-Doo. What's he say? Rut roll. Now, you, you men, just think about how interesting it would be to bring home a second wife from the market. If I was giving advice, I'd say, don't do it. But just imagine you say, honey, I'm going to town for a while. And you come back and you go, look, you've got an extra mother-in-law. And I've got an extra wife. And soon we'll have kids. The other kinsman who is not named, that's when he goes, your boy is not the man for this job. He's like, all of a sudden he says, you want this land? Yeah, man, I'll take it. How about this woman? I don't like that land. <laughs> so he says, what are you going to do, man? Boaz says, what are you going to do? He says, man, you can get it. And then you see a very legal proceeding. And watching it, I would so love to. I'm writing a book on the book of Ruth. Y'all buy it. Or just ask me for it. I'll give it to you. That's buy it. It's a bad comment. <laughs> I mean, what's it going to be worth? <laughs> he takes off the shoe. And this sounds weird, but it's actually a very cool way of doing a contract. And here's what's funny. Here's what's funny. If the, guy, if the guy had a breach on the contract, he could slap him with the shoe. Wow. So, so and, and actually, actually by, by custom of the day, Boaz would have been well within his limits to take that shoe and slap him and do the deal anyway because the guy had been ignoble. What you got in the near kinsman is a picture of the law. The law. A man can't save himself because he, he, you know, the law doesn't bend for you. 
It doesn't bend for all your nuances. And that's what this man's a picture of. The law wants the benefit, but it can't bend to pay the grace price. Boaz says, I can bend. I can take on Naomi because I want Ruth. I'm willing to bear the burden of having a child and the land, okay, whatever. And so he does his deal, and the, and the witnesses see it, and then they all bless him. They bless him with a ton of cool blessings. They actually give him three blessings. They say, I hope y'all are like Rachel and Leah. They had 13 kids. And he said, I hope y'all are like Perez. That's a really wild story. Perez got her father-in-law drunk. Well, actually, he was just drunk, and she dressed up like a, a lady of the evening. I'm trying to be gentle. Somebody say amen. And tricked him into uh, producing a family situation. So you got to study to say why they would say that. I'll tell you why they say that. Because even though that was done in sin, the blessing was that was their heritage. God had taken what was broken and wrong and made a people out of it. And so he's saying, I hope, you know, you're marrying this foreign girl. And I pray that God takes something that started broken and wrong and uses you to redeem it. It's actually a beautiful picture. It's just it's kind of a crazy example. And then, you know, they also says, you know, the third compliment is, you know, may your house be like um, Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Oh, I missed the one in the middle. And, and uh, may you act worthily in Ephratah. In other words, they're looking at their whole lineage, and they're seeing a lot of mess, and they're saying, we pray that God bring something out of this mess. You know, you could look at yourself every day in the mirror and have just such a prayer. God, <laughs> you see it. My, my friend Craig Willingham loves to say that we're a mess in progress. And I've always told him, I know that's true, but I like to phrase it like this. I'm art becoming. Same thing, right? But I prefer to think of myself as I'm going to be beautiful one day. I am. It's hard to believe, but I am. How do I know? Because I'm part of the bride of Christ. And he's not going to, be, he's not going to quit on me until I'm lovely. So that's the story, guys. He closes the deal, and then next week we'll see how the story finally unfolds. But what's the point for tonight? What's the point for tonight? It's really this simple. You have three ideas I want to give to you. Here's the first one. When they click it, I'll be ready. The nearer kinsman was willing to take the land, but was unwilling to take on the long-term debt. The long-term debt was Naomi, and a family heritage for which they wouldn't get glory and they would raise up these kids and the land would go back to them. That's the way the law treats you. You can't keep the law and the law can't bend for you. So it's not willing to take you on. So, so, Boaz, Boaz is willing to take the land. You know why? Because Boaz is really Interested in the lady. And that's the second point. Boaz wanted the lady, and he's willing to take the land and all the trouble that came with the situation. There's a lot of trouble with this situation. The one guy says, hey, I like the land. 
but I don't want the lady. The other guy says, I want the lady, and I'll, I'll take the land. Believer, 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 I need y'all to listen to me like you ain't listening in a long time. When Jesus looks at you, he sees the ugliness of your sin. He doesn't skip over that. He sees your insecurities, your anxieties, all your failures. He sees the stuff that's messed up in you that you're not even aware of yet. And he says, I will take her. This is why seeing Boaz's story is so important. Years and years ago, Karen and I was looking for a house. And uh, let's just be honest. I knew there was no sense in me looking anywhere outside of Bushy Fork. But as I rode around, I would call. I'd see these signs. I'd call places. Well, there's one house, and I don't, you know, I don't want to call these people out because they're still dealing with what I'm going to describe. But it's so beautiful. Big oak trees in the yard. And I was like, there's no way I can afford it, but you know, I've already paid the phone bill. I'm going to call them. So I called him, and it was in a neighborhood, not Bushy Fork. And, uh, and uh, they quoted a number to me that I could handle, and that bothered me. It was a number I knew I could handle. And so I had a question. Anybody want to guess what my question is? was, what's wrong? Turns out there had been both underground and above-ground gas, gasoline storage, gas and diesel so there was an EPA issue on the property. And the realtor said, it's going to be about a $25,000 fix. I said, you lying. Whenever a realtor tells you something, multiply it times four. I knew it was going to be a $100,000 fix, right? Everywhere you got dirt, uh, gas and soil, you got to go a lot wider and deeper than the last place you found it. And, uh, but I, I knew right then that the house was in my budget, but the problem with the house was not. I could not redeem this property. I was not capable, and I was not willing to live on the property while it had this issue, because knowing what I know, you know what you know was likely also messed up besides the soil? Anybody want to guess? Water supply. Turns out a really cool couple bought that place, and they've been rehabbing it for years, and it's beautiful, and they're doing a great job, and they're going to have it just extra cool one day. But, uh, you know, they moved here from the northern reaches where none of that bothered them because they couldn't get a place that cool for near that amount of money, whatever. But, you know, Jesus looks at you, and he sees all your EPA messes. He sees your bondage, your hang-ups, your hold-ups, your hold-backs, your hold-ons. And he doesn't just see, there's something I can get something out of. He sees something he can get glory out of because he's not just going to take your mess and bring you to zero. He's going to make you a kingdom of priests unto his father. So finally, Jesus wants his bride, and he is able and willing to take on her whole mess, and more, her whole mess. And his plan in redeeming the church as his bride is that she would have sons and daughters who were the first of many, many, many offspring. 
and you read the story of Ruth, like we've been doing, what I want you to do is to be able to see in very down-to-earth terms, Boaz is a picture of our Redeemer. And what the law under our own power is not able to do, Jesus, full of mercy and grace, is able and willing. How is he a close relative? He took on flesh and became one of us. How is he able? As one man, Adam brought sin into the world, another man paid for the sin of the world. How is he willing? He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you a rest. No one will snatch you out of my Father's hand. On and on and on. You can just survey the New Testament, and you'll see that Jesus says, I'm willing to take you. Are you willing to come? Boaz has told Ruth to wait. But she's back at the house. And what's her, what's her man cakes doing? He's down doing the business to make sure she can confidently be his. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Do you see how this works? I'll never forget listening to two old guys. Someone had passed away in the farm, had come up for sale that was sort of between their farms and another farm joined it. And uh, he says, uh, you going to try to buy that farm? Yeah, I'm going to try to buy that farm. And they mentioned the neighbor's name. They said, well, you know, you're going to have to put up with so-and-so. He goes, uh, my goal isn't to put up with him. And he was like, what are you going to do? Just like, uh, you know, erect a fence or something? Or, I mean, how are you going to avoid He said, oh, I'm going to win him to the Lord. And I'm just listening to these two old guys talk. One had a radically different plan than the other. The guy's not just looking to find somebody to put up with you. He wants to win you, woo you, win you, and change you so that you're a beautiful bride for his son. Do you see that in this story? That's what God wanted you to see. What else did he want you to see? He has kept this family line intact so that the Messiah would be born to whom he was supposed to be born to, and the place he was supposed to be born in, the people that were supposed to bury him. When all seemed broken and undone, God made a way. When I look in the mirror, I see what's been broken and undone, and I see the Christ who's making a way. Do you know him today? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. It says if you believe, if you receive him, if you receive him, believe on that name and receive him, you can be adopted into his family. You'll be added to his bride, and you'll be part of what's becoming beautiful. Recently, a friend of mine sent me a video where the preacher told everybody, all right, everybody bow your hand, bow your head. And uh, who wants to receive? Oh, I see you there. I see. Who's ever seen something like that? Yeah, I've never done that. You know why? Because if the Holy Ghost is calling you, I couldn't stop him. And if he's not calling you, I wouldn't want you to fake it. I know this much. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And if God's calling you to repent and come to him, I couldn't stop you. And I wouldn't want to. I'm just going to ask you the question. How's he dealing with you? Believer, when's the last time you just got down on your knees and said, Thank you, Jesus 
that you took my whole mess. You just took my whole mess. And he's not going to leave me in my mess. When's the last time he said, thank God, thank you, God, that I'm becoming. When's the last time you made that kind of offering to the Lord? When's the last time you humbled yourself and just said, thank you? We're going to sing a song. The altar's yours. Let the Spirit speak. He's faithful. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this people, this book, this story. More than anything, thank you that just like you chose Israel, just like you repaired what was broken in Ruth and Boaz's and Elimelech's line, you come looking for people to purchase out of our sin, purchase out of our slavery, purchase us away from your wrath. You come to make a people your own. You came close to us. You did what only you could or would do. And you call to our hearts. So, Father, as we sing together, for some that will be a beautiful offering. For others, they would just need to get quiet, speak to you from the depth of their heart. For some, they'll need to go to the altar. Father, help us respond to our Redeemer. In Jesus we pray. Amen.